many of you even know what we're talking about in here on Sunday mornings? I did something I said I'd never done before, and I did a two series. I started one on Friday night, and I started one on Sunday morning. And Keith is just laughing at me when I'm driving here in the mornings. He says, are you still doing a series? And I said, yeah. And so he's laughing and laughing. So uh, I said, just laugh on, buddy. <laughs> you know, but um, I said, um, you'll, you'll get to hear it sometime, you know. But he, he doesn't, you know. So, but anyway, he preached one of mine, part of mine Friday night. He said, I ain't going to give you any credit for it. So I said, go for it. But here we are. The title is, So Now We're Called Christians. And I don't like to ever assume with people that help me or people that are around or people that work for me or people that come to church or anything that they know anything. I don't like to assume that I know what they know. So I like to tell them what they know. Then I don't have to wonder. You know that? Then you don't have to wonder what they know because you already told them what they know. Okay? So if we start out and I know what you know, then I don't ever have to wonder what you know. Does that make sense? Okay, so that's why I don't, if I ever see you in a restaurant or if I ever see you out at the grocery store, if I ever see you out someplace and I say, hey, that's one of our church people. And you don't pick up something off the grocery store floor and you talk rude to somebody. I think, hey, they know better than that. Because I told them better than that. Right? Uh Uh-huh. So it's like your children. You see? When you know that you told them to do something better than that and they're not doing it, well, then you know that they know better. But if you never told them to do better, then how can you hold them responsible for what they don't know? Right? So here we are. So now we're called Christians. So I just want to start from the very beginning of A. We're Christians now. What does Christian mean? It means Christ-like. Real simple. You're like Christ. So we talked about in our first service that if we're God's, I'll read you the verse so you won't get confused about it. Mark 12, verse 30 and 31 in the NIV, it says that this is what we're supposed to do if we're Christians. Now that we're Christians, we are to love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And if you remember, we talked about that. Our first commandment was to love God. And that's a real easy thing to do most of the time. We found out that how we love God is first by loving ourselves. And that's a lot harder sometimes than it appears to be, isn't it? You get up in the morning and you don't like yourself very much. Right? So we talked about that we got to love ourselves first. And then the second week we talked about that we got to love our neighbor. And our neighbor is in big trouble if we don't like us. Right? And so we're going to go on this week and talk about how we're going to do some of these things. First, we know that God loves us because he's not like us. He's not fickled like us, and he's not fickled like your brother or your sister or your mother or your dad that says they love you and then they do you wrong. God will never leave us. He'll never treat us bad. He'll never do bad things to us. He'll never do all the things that you hear other people do. He truly loves you. He will do you no harm. He will never forsake you. He will only do you good all the long days of your life. And if you ever hear of anybody telling you, God did something bad to me, guess what? They lied. Because God can't do you any bad. 
and he won't do you any bad. He will only do you good. The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but God came that he might give us life and give it to us more abundantly. And that's his only reason for coming. So if anybody tells you, God did this to teach me something, and it was bad, say, no, 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 you're wrong. God doesn't teach me things that way. God loves me, and I did it wrong, and he's helping me out of it. Okay? So just kind of in your mind, you don't have to be mean to him and correct him. Just in your mind say, nah, that's not really how God is. You just need to get to know him a little bit better. Okay? So today I want to go on. Last week we learned that if we wanted people to do something for us, what should we do? Do something for them. Take the, I'll read the verse to you. It was in the Message Bible. It said, here's a simple rule of thumb, or week before last. Actually, Keith was here last week. In the Message Bible it said, here's a simple rule of thumb for behavior. Ask yourself what you want people to do for you, then you grab the initiative and do it for them. So that makes life real easy. If you want somebody to do something really nice for you, then what should you do? Do it for them. Okay, so we're going to go on this week, and we're going to talk about what I think is some of the most important things about being a Christian. So if you would, guys, up in the booth up there, you can't see them, but they are up in that little hole up there. John 10.35 in the King James Version Bible. And I will pull a Keith on you. If you don't have a Bible this morning, our ushers do have a few extra Bibles. They would be glad to loan you one of ours. So that you can see this for your very self. And this may be the only scripture you have to turn to this morning, but there will be another one that we will use. John 10.35. And if you think I talk fast, you should see the way Dave walks when he preaches. Like that. So you'll be in for a treat sometime. He walks faster than I talk. John 13.35, it says, By this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have what? Money. If you can speak in tongues. If you know your Bible. If you can prophesy. If you go to church every Sunday, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have what? Love one to another. The Amplified says, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you love one another, if you keep on showing love among yourselves. And the New Living, which I don't think that they have. They may have, I'm not sure which one they have. We'll see what they have. There you go. Okay. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, how do we prove to the world that we are Christians? 
Why isn't the whole world saved today? Huh? Y'all ain't talking loud enough. Because Christians aren't walking in love. Ouch is right. What happens to us when we get saved? What is a, wait a minute, wait, let me rephrase that. What is supposed to happen to us when we get saved? The love of God is supposed to be shed abroad in our hearts. But you know what? Just because you know something don't mean you're going to do it. What happens when you get saved is something shows up on the inside of you and tells you, act this way. But you know what? God is not like the devil. He will never make you do something. The devil will keep hounding you, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And he will put so much pressure on you till you will crumble and do it. You ever done something you didn't want to do? And your flesh, you know you don't want to do it? And that flesh of yours keeps screaming and screaming and screaming till you eat that piece of cake? And you know you didn't want to do it? But you do it anyway? Why is that? Because that's the way the devil is. He's a pusher. And he'll keep pushing and he'll keep pushing and he'll keep pushing. So you crumble because you're listening to him. But the love of God won't do that. He'll say, be nice. Be kind. Be nice. Walk in love. Be nice. Hey, be nice. And you just ignore it. Your flesh is screaming. They mistreated me. So what do you do? You don't be nice. So let's go to the nice chapter. Y'all want to? Have we got the guts to do it? I'm telling you, you got to have some guts to do this. How many of you got them? All right, here we go. How many of you know where the nice chapter is? 1 Corinthians, let's try it. All right, 1 Corinthians, let's do it in the Amplified so we can really find out what, what we got to do. Here we go, 1 Corinthians 13. Let's start it at the very top. If I can speak in the tongue of men and even angels, but have not that reasoning, intentional, spiritual devotion, such as inspired by God's love far and in us, I'm only a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. Now why does he... Stop just a minute. And what's he talking about before this chapter? Spiritual offices. What's he talking about after this chapter? Being filled with the Spirit. Why did he stick this right in the middle of that? Because this is more important than the other two. Because if you don't do this, the other two don't matter. That's what he's saying. If you can do the one before it and you can do the one after it, it doesn't make any difference. 
Doesn't matter how spiritual you are or how long you pray or how many days you fast or how much you pray or how many people you prophesy to or how many tongues you can speak in or how many people you can quote the whole Bible to does not make a bit of difference. You're just a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. I didn't say that, guys. I'm reading the B-I-B-L-E, and that's the book for me. Right? Okay. The next verse, please. And if I have prophetic powers and the gift of interpreting the divine will and purpose and understand all the secret truths and mysteries and possess all knowledge. Now, that's a pretty wise and smart person, right? I mean, they've got to be what some spiritual phenomenon, right? I mean, they've got to be your spiritual, spiritual, spiritual person. But if, and if I have sufficient faith, they've got to be a real faith man. They can get you healed. They can set you free. They can deliver you from demons. They can do whatever it takes. They can move mountains. They got every bit of the money in the whole wide world. They got new cars and new houses and new lands. But, uh uh-oh. But, say it with me. But, but, only half of you are saying it. But, 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 but. But, 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 but. What does the next part say? But I don't got no love. I am. Nothing. That means that everything that went before that is totally useless, valueless, meaningless, worthless. That means it doesn't matter how much faith you have. It doesn't matter how many mysteries you know, how much wisdom you have, how many secrets in God you have, how much prophetic power you have. If you ain't got no love, you ain't nothing. I don't care who you are. I did or I did. That said, if we don't have love... We are useless nobodies. So we as a church, if we want to minister to anyone ever and do anything for anybody, it doesn't matter what you know. It matters how much you love. People could care less how much you know until they know you love them. I've seen it over and over and over again. 
you got to get the love thing right. We'll just keep going. Go to the next verse. Even if I dole out all I have to the poor in providing food, and if I surrender my body to be burned, or in order that I may glory, but I have not love, that's God's love in me, I gain nothing. So that verse, give and it'll be given, what does it profit? So have you been giving and not getting? I wonder why. Does that say you can give everything you have and not get nothing? Maybe that could answer somebody's question. Maybe you've given for decade after decade after decade after decade and you hadn't got nothing. If I give everything that I have, even so much to my body, but I don't have love, I gain nothing. Is this love thing important? It's the most important thing that we have. It's how the world is going to know that we're Christians. It's who we are when we get saved. It's who we become. God is And we are his children. So we are supposed to be the love child, the flowered love child. Do you remember them? The 60s? Right? We are love children. That's who we are. We are love. We should, everything we do, if somebody touches you, Love should come out. If somebody pinches you, love should come out. If somebody squeezes you, love should come out. If somebody pushes you, love should come out. Because that's who you are. That's what we are. We are love. God is love, and we are His when we get born again. That's who we are. We are love. Let's keep reading. Love. Oh, no. Here we go. Are y'all ready? Buckle your seatbelts and put your feet under the chairs because it's going to step on your toes. Okay. Love endures long and is patient and kind. Love is never envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, It never displays itself haughtily. Now, I want to read you the Message Bible on that verse because I like it a little bit better on some of this stuff, and I think you will too. Verse 4 in the Message Bible. Love never gives up. Now, just think about the person that you're upset with. Are you ready to give up on them? Have you had it with them? Have they stretched you to the very end? Have you got no more patience for them? No more hope for them? They're no more use to you? 
But you are love. That's who you are. So love never gives up. It's not in you to give up. That's not who you are. You do not give up on people. I have a saying, and I've had it for a very long time, there are no throwaways. You do not give up on anyone, no matter what they've done, ever. Has God ever given up on you? Why? Because He loves you. Could He judge you for something you did wrong? Oh, my word. But He doesn't give up on us. He loves us. In spite of us, He loves us. He loved us when we were a big mess. He loved us. But He didn't give up on us. He never gives up on us. We should never give up on anyone. Love never gives up. So these words should never come out of your mouth. I quit. I give up. You ever said them? Don't raise your hand. Love never does that. Uh Oh, this next part is going to be the hard one. Now, you said you were ready, right? Okay. The Message Bible. Love cares more for others than itself. Now, who is our example? God. Does he care more for us than he does for himself? Now, how will the world come to know God? What did that verse say? Uh, Let's see if I can find it. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. Now, I remember one time, Keith and I were gone on a meeting, and our neighbors came over, and they were going to bless us. And there were some trees in our backyard that surrounded our fence and gave us some privacy. And they thought they were a little bit wilted, so they decided they would cut them all down for us and haul them off for us. They were so kind to do that for us while we were gone. Now you have a choice. You can walk in love and have a feud for the next 20 years while you live by that neighbor. Or you can do what we did. And Keith went and gave them cash to go on vacation. It won them to the Lord. Never a dull crossword. What good would it do? What is more important? A tree or a person? Huh? What is more important? Your fender on your car or a person? What is more important? That ink that they spilled on your bedspread or a person? See, you're getting quieter each time. (laughs) Do you understand what I'm saying? So many times, love cares more about itself and its stuff than it does about the other person. And that's not who we are. 
We are to represent God in love. We are to not just think of ourselves, we are to think of them. Have you ever, I remember one time, and I'm going to tell off on her, she's gone, she, she won't know that I'm telling off on her. I remember one time, Mom Hagen, y'all know who I'm talking about, right? Okay. We had the privilege of serving with Brother Hagen and Miss Aretha for decades. And I had the privilege of being really close to them. And so one time we went to a meeting, and we were there in this back speaker's room, and they were serving us a meal. And we were sitting there eating, and they had served something on these very fine china. They always served them with the very best. And, and uh, we were there in the room, and there was some really nice china, and she was eating something, and somehow it got slid, this plate got slid to the edge of the table that Mom Hagen was eating on. And when she went to do her fork like this, the plate fell off the glass table, hit like this, and whoosh, whoosh, on the metal plate on the bottom of the table, and it shattered everywhere. You get the picture, right? Oh, she was horrified. I spent the next two weeks looking for that plate to replace it. So I'm standing there with the lady of the church, the pastor's wife, and I said, where can I find this? I finally just had to go to, where can I find this plate? Well, Mom Hagen is kind of in the corner over there, and she can't really hear me. I said, where? Tell me where I can find this plate. I've looked everywhere. Where can I find it? I need to replace it. What can I do? She said, well, you can't find that plate. That was my great-great-great-grandmother's plate. It's an antique. It's worth da-da-da-da-da. Loud enough for everybody in the room to hear. Well, do you think that blessed Mom Hagen? Which was more important? Mom Hagen's feelings or the plate? I just wonder how bad Mom already felt that she broke the plate. How do you feel when you hurt somebody? Does it help when they make you feel worse about it? Or do you already know that you did something wrong? Do you need somebody to bring it to your attention? No. Most of the time we already know what we did wrong. And it doesn't really help a lot of times for somebody to magnify it for us, right? So let's keep going. All right. Um, Love doesn't want what it doesn't have. Love doesn't strut. I guess that's like a rooster. Love doesn't have a swelled head. Do you know what that means? I have a very good saying for that. And if you stay around here very long, you will find out what it means. And some of you may already know. Love is not show and tell. Do you know what that means? Love is not always having to be seen. It cares more about the other person being seen than you being seen. Love cares more that they look better than you do. Love cares that, oh, you don't have something nice to wear? Well, here, have mine. Love cares, oh, you don't have any money? I don't have much, but you can have all I've got. Love cares that you're going in two vehicles, they're going to be the ones that's important that day, you give them yours. That's what love does. Love does not always have to be 
the one that's the bright and shining light. Love lets the other person stand up. It doesn't have to strut. It doesn't have to get the big head. That is how you win people. That's how you win the world. It's always trying to make the other person look better. When you're in a situation, you should constantly be trying to make the other person look better than what they do. When you're around friends or you're around family, I remember this to this day. It's not a hard thing to remember. My mom's funeral. I'll tell you a story I've never told. I think I've told two people. My older sister, she was nervous as could be. And I have had opportunities to speak more than she has. And so I got some things. We were both going to say some things. We're driving to the funeral. And she's all upset. And I said, why are you, what's wrong? And she said, I can't say anything. I said, sure you can. I said, you're the older sister. You should say something. She said, I can't. I don't know what to say. I don't know what to do. It's one minute now till we're supposed to get up and say something. I took my notes and I handed them to her. I said, you remember these stories? Just tell them. And handed her the notes. Made her look good. Made her feel good. Didn't matter what I said. Didn't matter what I did. She's the older sister. Right? It matters to this day that she's still the older sister. Has she always maybe done everything right? No. Have you always done everything right? No. Do you want to sow in such a fashion that the only time you get something is when you do something right? No. You want to sow mercy and all the time you're constantly looking for ways to better somebody's life and make it easier on them. Constantly looking for ways to make it uh, simpler for them and, and make them look good and make them feel good. Constantly not show and tell. Make them feel better about themselves. And if we're constantly doing that with people around us in the world, every seat in this place is going to be filled. Because I don't think there's a great number of people out there that are going around patting people on the back. You know, you sure look good today. You smell good too. You sure are pretty. Uh, you sure did a good job today. What's happening most of the time is they're saying, I'm going to sue you. You didn't do that right. You should have done that a lot better. What took so long? Why did you charge me so much? Why didn't you get me that on time? I've been standing here. Look at how you drive. And most people in the world, not in this church, are selfish. They are. They get in the grocery store line and all they can think about is, can't they read this? 13 items, 13 items, 13! Can't they see? Never would they say, oh, no, you go ahead of me. I know you got 26 items, but it's okay. I don't have anything pressing me when you may have 62 things pressing you. Or you may only have enough money to pay your light bill. Most people never take into consideration what another person is going through. 
They have no thoughts or no ideas of what their life is like. All they know is what their own life is like. All they know is what they are going through. All they know is what what hell awoke them today. So look out world, here I come. Everybody get out of my way because I'm coming now. No. Do you know that most people wake up irritated anymore? They wake up thinking, I don't want to go to this job. I don't want to face these people. I don't want to do this today. I don't want to deal with this today. And all they need is you to walk across their path and say, you know what? It's going to be all right. You're going to make it. It can be okay. I don't know what's going on, but you know what? God still loves you anyway. He'll make a way where there seems to be no way. That's all they need. And they may look at you like you're some fruit, flake, and nut. You know, I was here. Yeah, grains. Um, I was here one day uh, when we were doing the building. And uh, we were over here at Payway. And there were some people sitting at a table across from me. And the waiter brought them the complete wrong order. And um, I was so blessed by it. She said, you know what? It's not right. But, you know, we'll just take it anyway. And uh, she didn't get upset. She didn't lose her cool. And I knew in my heart instantly. They didn't have to say one word. I knew in my heart instantly. They had to be Christians. I just knew it in my heart. So you know what I did? I paid for their meal, and I gave them $1,000. I did. That's exactly what I did. Why? Because that is so far from what you see in most restaurants. If they get your order wrong, I'm telling you what. Most people, big head city, this is my order and I'm paying for this meal and it's going to be my way and I came to this restaurant and I'm having to pay for this and you're going to get it right. No consideration at all that that poor girl or guy may have been on their feet pulling two shifts may have been out there all day long and may have gotten chewed out by everybody and their brother for the last 16 hours. And here you are, a Christian, could be walking in love and telling them, you know what, honey, it's going to be okay. You got it wrong, but you know what? Today I'm going to love celery. I dislike it, but today may be my favorite. I may learn to like it today. And here, be blessed. Give them an extra 50. That's who we are. That's us. Say, that's me. That's me. Okay, now the other half. Say, that's me. That's me. That will win more people to the Lord than you leaving them a track, than you giving them a scripture, by you just loving on them and realizing they're an individual too. They're having a bad day. Did you just see what that other person did to them? It's who we are. It's who we should be. It's who what we're supposed to be the moment that we get saved. We are supposed to represent the Lord in that way. And you know where this starts?
Where does it start? Mm. There's a verse in Ephesians. It says, in Ephesians 5.25, it says, Husbands, love your wives. And then it also says it in Colossians 3.19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. If we start with the heads, you know what's going to happen? It's going to start coming down. God is the head. He loved us. Then it starts with the head. And it starts coming down. And it starts coming down. And it starts coming down. What we have in us and what we are around will be what we give out. You can't give out what you don't have. You must have love in you. And if all you do is focus on bad things and watch bad things and think about negative things and fight all the time at home, the moment you leave home, everybody will be your problem. But if you get it right at home, and it starts with the head in the home, and they start loving, it doesn't matter how irritated you are. You make a choice. I'm going to start loving. It didn't say, husbands, uh, try to love your wives. Husbands, see if you can love your wives. It said do it. So we start there, and wives, don't give them a reason not to. I used to have a friend that her husband told her, Never dye your hair red. So she's going to test him. She went and dyed her hair red. You know, that's just dumb, magnified. That's wearing a stupid side, front and side and back. And that's asking for trouble. You know? We've got to start at home, in love. We've got to win the world with this love. So we start at home with this love and we start taking it out to other people. That's how the world is going to know that we belong to the Lord. This is our first step, is by our love. We don't have to prove to people and we don't have to wear a sign and we don't have to say, I'm a Christian and we don't have to say, I go to Faith Life Church and we don't have to say, I know Brother Hagen and we don't have to say, I know Brother Copeland or Jesse's coming or go to Faith Life Church or, or listen to this tape. You will never, ever have to be concerned about somebody wanting to come to church with you if you walk in love with them. They will begin to ask you, what's different about you? Why are you different? And it won't be because you drive the Mercedes and it won't be because you wear the fancy jewelry and it won't be because you wear, live in the nice house. They'll want all those things, but they won't want to be you. And there's a difference between wanting things and wanting to be you. God is love. And we should focus every single day on walking in his love and putting others before ourselves. Let's this week try. No, let's not try. Let's do it, okay? Let's wake up each day 
and look at a way to minister God's love to someone that we come in contact with that day. And don't try to do it by quoting the scripture to them and don't try to do it. See if they can recognize, start your own little game, okay? See if they can recognize that you're a Christian without saying anything about God, without saying anything about church, without saying anything about Faith Life Church or a scripture or Brother Copeland or Brother Hagen or prophesying to them or any of those things, but just by the way you act. It didn't say... I'm going to read it to you one more time. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. It didn't say you're prophesying to them. It didn't say you're laying hands on them. It didn't say you're giving them money. It didn't say you're doing any of those things. It said your love for them. So let's start there. Let's start loving everybody that we come in contact with. Can we do it? And never quitting on them. Stand up with me. Glory to God.